Oh, it's your favorite time of the week. All your work is done, and it's time to relax. So come, grab some friends, and let's get lit and join the rotation. You are now in the rotation with Suncoast Normal. We are your host, your Suncoast Normal Executive Board, and we say it's time to legalize it. It is Ebor City. It is 1714 7th Street, the home of Chillum CBD Dispensary. And it's time to jump into the rotation. How do you remember her address? I don't I It's written on your door. We're looking oh, straight shit. at the damn thing. Oh. Well, you know, remember, is that good? No, I'm taking my prevagen. I just keep on forgetting to take it all the time. But uh, yeah, no, yeah. That, that's, that's where we are. And of course, I am your political director of uh, Suncoast Normal, Gary Stein, along with my co-host and deputy director of Suncoast Normal, Carlos. I just got back from Denver, Armida. Hi. And from above the beltway, our executive director, Chris Kano, who's going to uh, lay down what the heck is going on in Washington, D.C. and what has it got to do with the cannabis industry today? Wait, I, I didn't do the the opening video because of the address thing, so here. Now, for once, I actually, you know, nailed the intro, right? Yeah, I just fucked up. Well, even without RSO, which is cool. Well, I who said I didn't take any RSO? Well, then you have it. <laughs> <laughs> How's everybody doing today? You doing good, Kano? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good to be back in the rotation. Um, you know, a little break always helps. But uh, how was your trip to Colorado? I mean, uh, every yeah, time you, 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 you know, you go to the promised land, you gotta, you gotta tell yeah, us. I mean, it, it was cool. You know, like I, I don't know if I'm like a fucking weed snob or some shit like that, but like I was really like, like kind of like pissed at some of like. The regulations out there like it was really hard i got i got used to fucking uh taking about 100 milligrams every time i like eat weed like that's why like we talk about it with the rso 200 milligrams 100 milligrams fucking everything you try out there is 10 milligrams a piece yeah i have to eat fucking 10 10 pieces of chocolate to fucking get the dosage that i need and that fucking sucks man because like uh regulations are trying to make it so people don't get too high but some people need that shit yeah, you got to eat a whole whole tube of cookies, right? Just to just to feel it. Yo, <laughs> and, I, and you I thought feel... that Colorado was just you know free free world <laughs> with no regulations whatsoever. Sorry, Andy Friedman got there first. I feel like <laughs> I feel like I got fatter out in Colorado, and it's just because of the weed. Because like I had to eat the whole fucking packet of gummies to get high. Mm, mm. Well, you know, I've been to Colorado. It, it, uh... it didn't have those hundred. Huh? You don't have that six hundred milligram ones, right? No, no. In in Las Vegas, that's fucking sweet though, because like you can show your medical card out there, yeah. and even though they got legal weed out there, you can like you know they're like, oh, welcome medical patient from out of state. <laughs> yeah, because the medical patients get that discount. Yeah, you get you get the 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 certain certain amount off of the taxes, and you get like the good shit. Like you like I could get a five hundred milligram chocolate bar out there, which is a little bit better for my my needs because I could take a bite of chocolate and get that hundred milligrams. 
But I mean, fucking Colorado, they don't do reciprocity with medical patients out there. So even though they have like protections for medical patients, um, if a medical patient comes into that state, you're still kind of fucked. So what, what brands did you see over in, in, in Vegas? Did you have a chance to uh, get out to a Silver Sage or one of those other good ones, Reef? I went to Cookies. I went to a place called Local. And I always fucking mispronounce Euphoria. 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 There you go. But uh, so Euphoria is like right down downtown Denver in like 16th Street Market. Um, which is like a really popular tourist area where you get like all, and like, that's really where I was because like I'm at the the Denver Convention Center and like staying at the hotels out there and whatnot. Um, but I went out to Cookies. I got this cool hat there. You can't really see it on the the show, but it's, it's black on black, black on black Cookies hat. It is and, sharp as <laughs> it, it, it is fat as hell. P H A T. Cookies is a it's a cool place. Like they get they've done a lot of great things branding wise, but I mean like honestly, like you know, like I, I mediocre. Mediocre as far as potency is concerned. Here I am being a weed snob again. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like the I asked the guy for like the best uh like terpiest crumble he could give me. The top right? shelf stuff. And he like he gave me this like weird like white mountain thunder strain or whatever it is. <laughs> But <laughs> sounds like a soap. <laughs> but it it was it, it it was just me local. I wanted so like I went to this local place because I wanted to go to like a local dispensary that the locals go to. Yeah. Right. Um. So I figured that the place called local would be the best place to go. <laughs> but uh, they had like was this, it? Well, yes, actually, because they had this live rosin. There's a strain out there. I don't know if it's like popular throughout the U.S. yet, but it's called garlic breath. Oh, I yes, garlic breath. I we mean, have I... garlic. We have garlic breath on the East Ooh, Coast. My God, guys, that is it was amazing. This live, this live rosin garlic breath strain that I got from local. Mm. Amazing, amazing. So terpy, so good, so tasty. Mm. And then Euphora, the good thing about there was I was about to, I was able to get the RSO there. So did you, did you check out the consumption lounge at the joint over there in, in Denver? Um, so like I, I saw that they were building it. Oh, okay. I saw that they were building it like right next door, and like it seemed like they were like halfway through. But yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, Denver has their own particular laws for consumption lounges that the rest of Colorado does not have. Colorado is actually pretty much a red state for the most part, but there you have that shining little jewel in the center as Denver that has their own rules and regulations. And uh, But still, it, as it long as like they've had it, they, they still have a lot of regulations that are kind of clamping down on them. And they have a lot of regulatory cost mm -hmm. to, the, to run the program itself. And, of course, they have that tax structure that we don't have over here in Florida. Mm -hmm. That is why they're number two out of the nation. We're number three, but we don't even have an a, a adult use program. And of course, number one, is, as far as sales is concerned, is, Cal is California. Yeah. And that's a real interesting map. Mm -hmm. There's other areas in Colorado that's like bluish, right? Like Boulder and whatnot. Well, like, you got to think, can... Col Colorado's like Florida, right? You have these yeah. islands of blue surrounded by rural red areas. So, that makes a lot of you know, sense. You know, depending on how the map is designed, you might think the state is full of red, but it's really just people out in the sticks tend to lean, you know, <laughs> No taxes. Leave me alone. <laughs> mm -hmm. mm. 
So, and and some of our our, our our viewers and listeners right now even said that you know they they've done time in Colorado for weed. So it's not a uh, not as uh, you know not everybody. Uh, some people got left behind, if you will. I've got like this weird like perception right now where like you go out in the sticks in Colorado and you hear a banjo playing and it's like, Mm-mm, we don't <laughs> like that marijuana out here. No, that's West Virginia, Carlos. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the little kid with almond eyes sitting there with a banjo staring at you. That one. Like, Get that marijuana out of here now. That's for them folks there in Denver. Yeah, they, we drink moonshine around here. And they also have international parks, certain little uh, cadres of, of illegal grows that, that tend to happen and are kind of heavily guarded. Well, that's the other thing, too. You know, people forget that cannabis is still illegal federally. And so if you go into a national park with your cannabis, even if you're in a legal state, you know, those park rangers can take you to jail. So those park rangers are scary, but they do avoid the, they know where the grows are, the illegal ones, and they kind of avoid it. They don't really jump in there because like, they would need a little more armament than they have to, uh, to, to protect themselves as far as that's concerned. But they do have a, a they do have a, a decent market. They, they have those little tourist vans. You get a chance to do one of those little tourist van things where you sit in this uh, modified bus and they pass around this giant I, water pipe. I got I, on the weed bus, Gary. Yes, that was, how about you, Carlos? I've done that on other trips, but yeah, not this time. Do they give you a That's green a wristband? Lot of fun. I want to know if they get a, give you a green wristband if you got the tolerance of, of Carlos, where you have to have at least one ounce to be able to feel anything. <laughs> so so that, that therefore you can you can invite more anybody else. Just say they can keep up with you. It would be nice, like if it, <laughs> like seriously, like if, if they could do something like mark me when I get into the dispensary. It would be nice because I feel like this this guy is a big spender over here. <laughs> But you know, federal yeah. <laughs> federal legalization will change everything. Uh, not only just uh, interstate commerce, so you can actually have brands transferring from one state to another, but also the fact that we're going to have open banking, well, so that there'll be more access to money for people to actually get start up businesses and things of that sort. But how how far did we get this last week? We got some actual progress in the uh, in the realm of legaliz- legalization federally this week and the week before, right, Chris? Yeah, so the United States Congress, uh, the House of Representatives, advanced the Safe Baking Act uh, as part of the must-pass National Defense Authorization Act. So, you know, essentially, if you're going to fund the military, you're going to have to pass this uh, th- this bill that they managed to attach in there, which is the Secure Fair Enforcement Banking Act, which allows state-licensed marijuana-related businesses to engage freely in relationships with banks and other financial institutions. And so this amendment was sponsored by uh, Earl uh, uh, Perlmutter, Earl Blumenhauer, Barbara Lee, Nadia Velasquez, David Joyce, and, and uh, Steve Stiver. So bipartisan support. You got four Democrats and, and the two Republicans uh, sponsoring this, and it passed on a vote of 321 to 101. So it wasn't, uh, you know, along party lines. Uh, all the Democrats and just over half of the Republicans in the House voted for this bill, which shows that, um, you know, it is becoming a political necessity for people to support uh, cannabis reform and to support uh, moving the laws forward. I mean, they can't even get bipartisan support to agree to take the uh, the bathroom key off of that big hubcap they usually have it attached to. So having bipartisan support for uh, for this bill, I think, is is a big thing because you don't. No matter how much Joe Manchin has been asking for, we don't. I don't see bipartisan support from anything up there. So this is very refreshing. 
And the MORE Act had some uh, some action this last week, too. Yeah. So, you know, for the second time in history, uh, the House Judiciary Committee has advanced the Marijuana Opportunity Reinvestment and Expungement Act, uh, the MORE Act. Now, this is different from the MORE Act uh, of last year. The MORE Act of 2021 has some language updates in it. But what it does is the MORE Act repeals the longstanding federal prohibition of marijuana by removing it entirely from the Controlled Substances Act, thereby ending state and federal conflicts and cannabis policies and providing state governments uh, with more authority to regulate their marijuana activities, including adult use or retail sales. Now, the bill was approved 26 to 15. Um, 24 Democrats and two Republicans voted yes. 15 Republicans voted no. Now, this bill was held up for many years because the Democrats didn't have control of the House. And when the Democrats took control of the House, uh, at the you know in the last election, uh, the, there were some key committee changes, and so you know this is an opportunity to to continue to move that through. So we'll see uh, how it moves on into the Senate. I know Senator Schumer uh, has his own bill, the Cannabis Administration uh, uh, Act, uh, which folks are looking at, and uh, we'll see in the grand scheme of things uh, whether or not the MORE Act uh, ends up going to conference or they pass it as is in the Senate. Now, some key facts that I want folks to understand. Um, this facilitates the expungement of low-level federal marijuana convictions and will incentivize state and local governments to take similar action. And also, it will create pathways for ownership opportunities in emerging regulated in an emerging regulated industry, as well as other sectors of the economy, economy for local and diversely reflective entrepreneurs who've been impacted under prohibition through the Small Business Administration grant eligibility. That is huge. The Small Business Administration will start giving out grants if the MORE Act were to become law to get actually into the marijuana industry. Also, and one of the most important things that's near and dear to my heart, it allows veterans for the very first time to obtain their medical cannabis recommendation from their VA doctors. No more having to go out of pocket and spend three, three and four hundred dollars a year on a doctor's recommendation, especially for our vets who may be on disability or fixed incomes. And it removes the threat of deportation for immigrants who are accused of minor marijuana infractions or who are gainfully employed in state legal cannabis industries. Believe it or not, you can be here doing everything you're supposed to be, have your papers, have your green card, and still get deported for just working at an MMTC as an immigrant. And that is just ludicrous. Now, let's just say that I, I have a death wish and I really want to get arrested for possession. What would I have to do to get a federal conviction as opposed to a state conviction or a local conviction? Well, understanding that, you know, a, a federal uh, marijuana offense, you know, it's still illegal federally. So, you know, federal agent, if you're, uh, you know, on federal property, but, uh, you know, in the grand scheme of things, the, the federal government doesn't uh, want to prosecute, you know, low-level possession. If you got a federal possession charge, that's probably because they were trying to get you to snitch. That's, you know, that's an escalation of our legal system, uh, trying to get you to crack or, or, or take a lesser charge for some bigger charges, you know, in the grand scheme of things when, when it comes to trying to take down organized crime uh, in the cannabis sector. I think that any possession charge is high level. I think no, that, that went right there, past you. Huh? There, <laughs> there should be. I mean, I was watching something, some documentary on South America and how like the local governments down there are trying to get away from cartels and whatnot. I think there should be some sort of like 
cohesive cohesive effort from both the u.s governments and these governments down there to really get rid of the cartels in general man because like that's that's the most dangerous thing about marijuana is the cartels fucking shooting people over trying to sell bad weed yeah they have a terrible hr department so bad so bad (laughs) well you know interesting i had opportunity to talk with the uh senator from uh, mexico who sponsored uh their medical marijuana uh bill and it was at that conference that we went to, Gary, in South Florida. Montel Williams was speaking at a few years yeah, back. Yeah. And and I, I, I what I recall speaking to her about was exactly that, Carlos. I was like, do you feel as though, you know, full legalization uh, will help in, in cooperation of U.S.-Mexico relations and taking down cartels? Because all, you know, all the data, everything that we're seeing is that we can grow weed much better than people who are growing it, you know, for a profit on the black market. Uh, you know, and mass producing the, this brick pack stuff that we're getting from south of the border. I mean, Carlos, the stuff you had is way better than, you know, and if you if you ever seen Narcos Mexico, for everybody who watches Netflix, uh, you know, you can see that that guy there became famous because he's the first one to start uh, uh, growing weed in the 80s without seeds in it, you know? So uh, definitely U.S. homegrown weed is much more advanced and much better uh, than our foreign black market cartel grown weed. And uh, I think legalization is the best they move forward to cut down on cartel profits and organized crime. Now here in, in, in the United States, the people who were doing, who, who were growing illegally a lot, a lot of times, they actually did get it. They actually did get a, a, fa- a fantastic product. The first cents a million, of course, was grown illegally over here in the state of Florida and, and everybody else in the country. And farmers like Donnie Clark, who, do, who uh, developed the uh, Mayaka gold strain over in Manatee County, well, he sold it back in the eighties before he got arrested on RICO charges. Mm. Uh, he he actually had uh, bags of that he had had taken all the seeds out and stems and had just the packaged in uh, hermetically sealed vacuum pa- bags that he put in cold storage. That's why the, there was still a myaka gold up until about fifteen years after he got arrested. So he he was like he actually took the seed out of the bag and tried to sell it for more money. Is that what I heard? Or? No, he actually removed the seed so that nobody could take his genetics. Ah, mm-hmm. okay. I thought it was like something like when I sold weed when I was like a teenager, like I put like orange slices, like orange peels in the bud. And like I would I would tell people that it would like be there to conserve like the weed and like try to make it like stickier or whatever. And that's one way to change your cost margin, isn't it? Yeah, well, it was just like I was trying to rip them off because like the, it was sold by weight and like I would weigh the orange peels in there and like everybody think it'd be like this great thing I'm doing, but like I'm trying to like make it like I'm just trying to make more money. <laughs> I mean, Florida had some fantastic strains that were that were grown completely illegally, uh, like Gainesville Green, like Mayaka Gold, uh, OG, original genetics right here in Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anybody ever asked her where it came from, it came from here. I mean, and a lot of this stuff is like rumors and whatnot. Like I used to go around telling people that Bubba Kush was an original Florida strain, but I don't. I, I think a lot of people are like trying to claim that for for some other part <laughs> of the country, right? Yeah, but Bubba Kush is is uh, from Gainesville, if I'm not mistaken, right? That's what I heard, but I mean, I'm not entirely sure. If I was uh, from Gainesville, I would try to fucking claim Bubba Kush more more so than Gainesville Green, to be honest with you. That's like Gainesville Green is hardly across the country, but like everybody in the country has heard of fucking Bubba Kush. Well, the question is whether Gainesville Green is actually out there still, because you know the genetics may have died off about a decade or so ago, None and the that stuff that's really being sold over here is not the same genetics, but it was an it was an attempt to to recreate it. 
Hey, no, no, hey, well, what are you doing? You're trying there, to recreate you know? a myth, you know? Like, I mean, none of the strains are real strains. And, like, even, like, fucking, you know, like, it's indica sativa bullshit. Like, come on. Like, well, yeah, if, if you if you get a gummy that has no terpenes in it and only has one cannabinoid, which is THC, and they call it sativa, how do they know? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. I'm looking at Leafly right now, and Leafly says that uh, Bubba Kush is from a, straight, a breeder whom this strain was named after, um, emerged just after 1996 when OG Kush pollinated an unknown indica strain in New Orleans. The mother plant was supposedly Northern Lights. Um, so, I mean, Leafly, if anything, you know, probably has the wrong information as well. So we don't necessarily know the whole truth about Bubba yeah, Kush. Well, what I heard, it was a cross between Bubblegum and OG Kush. There you go. So you, that's, you know, that's what I heard. Bubba Gum? Yeah. Bubble gum. You yeah, know, like, yeah. like, like, like Hubba Bubba. <laughs> <laughs> like Bubba. Okay. <laughs> oh, shit. It's, uh, it's 20 minutes into the show. <laughs> and I understand that you are interested in doing some, uh, some product reviews. So I, I am interested in doing some product reviews. That's your segue. Uh, but, but, uh, you know, we're, we're going to like, start like, you know, organizing this thing a little bit more and we're, we've been slowly, do, slowing doing that. And like, Gary's the only one that's been prepared <laughs> lately because Gary's been doing his do I look, segment. Do I look prepared? I, I, I must, I must've slept through that one. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, as, as you guys know, we've been doing the, the G spot. Uh, with Gary Stein, and we're we're officially retiring the G spot today. So this is the last time I'm playing in this video. And you saw it here last, yeah, because we are going to officially burn that file. This, this and is, I don't mean to disc. <laughs> this is a little bit more appropriate, seeing that that Gary Stein here is the head of the Clarity Pack, and right? you know we're looking for a moment of clarity with this news. So uh, let's. Uh, I, so see what you think. I guess Gary's found the G spot, and is now clear on where the G spot is. I think. I like the fact that you ripped this, that music out from Terms of Endearment, I think is what it was. I don't know. There's <laughs> fucking file on the... Okay. Whatever. Well, let's, <laughs> let's discuss licenses as long as we're, we're getting a moment of clarity. Everybody's waiting to find out when we're going to have more than those 22 licenses that we've been stuck with since 2017, essentially, when the rest of, when the rest of them were given out to all the losers of the 2015 application process. People have been waiting for a very long time. And... Uh, when Flora Grown uh, had failed, unfortunately, in the Supreme Court back in May, uh, that was was to have a temporary injunction to prevent a, a vertical mandate. Okay, and so that that was the reason that the OMMU, the Office of Medical Marijuana Use here in Florida, was saying they couldn't put out another application yet because they hadn't Flora Grown hadn't been resolved. Well, it was resolved back in May, and it filtered down to the lower courts and was dismissed in August. And yet they still have not moved forward, but they actually had a meeting uh, in the Senate Ag Committee over in Tallahassee uh, last Thursday. 
And the new chair of the Ag Committee, uh, Senator Roussan, was miffed. He was, he was miffed at the very beginning. He said, I, I, I asked you guys for a letter. I'm, I'm trying to do, he, he's so chill when he's angry. I try, I, I asked you guys for a letter uh, to explain why they had not yet started the application process for the Pigford license for the Black Farmers Association when it was in the 2017 bill. Mm. And, and so they asked him for a letter to explain the situation, and they waited for a month and a half, and no letter came. That's called the BACS evasion. That is something that the OMMU had done before when they were asked to explain themselves, and they decided not to say anything. I mean, obviously, they say when you can't say anything good, don't say anything at all. That's exactly what they did. And so they asked the, the new uh, head of the OMMU to come out and do a presentation. And so he started out by giving the entire history of the, of the program from the very big, uh, first bill and uh, the very first uh, the legislation they were working on 2013 up to the present. It's like, get to the point, guys. Why haven't you done the uh, at, at the thing there? And they said, well, we've had a lot of legislation. Uh, we've had a lot of litigation. And we're, we're still working on it. We're swiftly working towards beginning the process. <laughs> which, of course, uh, made uh, Senator Roussan even angrier because basically he said, look, you guys had since 2017 to get this license going, and yet nothing has happened. So when and if there actually is a black farmer's license, when and if there is a minority license coming to us, they'll be four years behind the curve. You have one of the largest cannabis companies in the country that started like uh, at the very beginning. These guys have to follow those guys with a four-year loss of time. And when you start out behind, you usually end up spending most of your time trying to catch up and never actually doing that. And that is basically where we stand because not only is it is that this one Pigford license held up, but all the licenses, and they got 19 of them waiting, according to the number of people in the registry, to give out licenses to. And they said they're not going to do it until they finish the Pigford license first, and they still don't have that application process done yet. So it, it, it makes you wonder, what's holding them up? Racism. <laughs> Racism. It, well, you know, I want to put, put on my tinfoil hat and respond to that. Uh, That's aluminum, by the way. Yes, aluminum. Okay. In that, <laughs> I'm not a, I typically am not a conspiracy theorist, but I do read all the conspiracy theories just to see how, how far out of touch reality is. And the truth is, is that, Governor Ron DeSantis is not necessarily uh, avoiding donations from the Florida cannabis industry. Uh, perhaps this is incompetence by design. That's a possibility. I mean, one of the things we had to deal with was the fact that there were certain chains of uh, funding that was filtering up towards the uh, Scott administration, in particular from GW Pharmaceutical, to uh, keep the, the market at a, uh, a CBD-only level. And, and, and to give them the chance to go ahead and get their thing put through on it and, and the FDA. Gary, I'm glad you brought that up. GW Pharmaceuticals, I want to pause on them for a second, because um, over in the United Kingdom, uh, their head uh, uh, over there is married to one of the leading members of parliament who's pushing prohibition. But yet they make all the exceptions for this one company, you know, because it's their husband's company. So Amazing how I, that works. Amazing how that works. And then you look here in Florida and you touched on it. You said it. Senator Roussan said it. Is that anybody coming into the industry is going to be 
five years behind. How do you compete with conglomerate giants that are eating up other licenses that have over a hundred storefronts as a brand new, fresh piece of paper, you know, having to start everything from scratch. And that is exactly what's going to happen to uh, the harvest license. It was absorbed by Trulieve who now has with, with the, with the, with the uh, harvest uh, stores and their stores, what 101, 102 stores now altogether, making them the largest, uh, dispensary in the country as far as the number of dispensaries are concerned. Curly, I think before this had 80 across the country, these guys have over 100 in one state. And that is what they have to deal with. And Harvest, of course, was a uh, license that was building up to scale. They had like about 11 or 12 uh, dispensaries. And now all those dispensaries were stripped of all their assets and the paper license itself was spit out and, and uh, set up for auction where it was bought by Planet 13. Planet 13 has even said that they are not going to actually get things going until they have full adult use because that is their model. So wow. that, that thing can be set on. But even if they had, had decided to go with medical market, it would still be a year to a year and a half before they could get to full scale to be, so they could be able to start selling like everybody else does. Nobody uh, gets off the gate and all of a sudden is, is growing and has products in a matter of a few weeks. It takes years. You know, that's the thing, though, Gary, is that some of these licenses – have been sit, sat on for years. If if I was a member of the state legislature, I would sponsor legislation uh, that, that basically says, you know, you have a certain time frame to get plants in the ground. I mean, in, in whether that time frame is two years, three years, but these licenses are meant to serve sick people. To sit on them and flip them for profit, to me, is highly immoral and does a disservice to sick patients suffering from chronic debilitating conditions. You cannot be sitting on this if you're getting into this industry to help sick people. And that's the thing that, that grinds my gears more than anything. And, and hopefully we'll get it straightened out because I know that Senator Brandis has been talking for the last couple of years of finding the right timing to go ahead and put that bill in that automatically says that any deadbeat licenses, if they don't uh, achieve, uh, start get into the market completely uh, within a certain period of time, that they will lose their license and their application fee and everything else. And people thank, have already. <laughs> thank you, to Senator Brandis, for for having the common sense. I mean, you know, I, I give him a lot of shit about a lot of other legislation because we're on opposite sides of the aisle. But that is a common sense bill that we need to see happen. Well, he's got three bills right now, or he's, he's put out the first three bills this year, uh, all about telehealth. Uh, one of them, of course, is changing the, the uh, time of the time you have to go in between uh, appointments, and the other one allows telehealth for uh, for uh, cannabis certification doctors. Uh, DeSantis literally at one point, like, he, he slipped up when he said it, but he literally at one point said that there was a cartel over Florida's cannabis industry. And uh, I I was pretty sure he was going to do something. He hasn't done anything. No, um, he's, I, instead he, he's taking the checks from them for reelection. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I, it, it's it's hard for me. Like like seriously, like I'm just sitting here stewing. Like I haven't said anything in a while, but it's like it pisses me off because like I remember getting fucking petition signed for this amendment, and thinking like telling people like this is a great amendment. This leaves a lot of things open for 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 the 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 industry to actually move forward and it, it uh something like this if something like this becomes law it could be set up where people could actually get into the industry and uh i i think it just goes at drs metal who's like a a, a longtime fan of the show put put a comment i'm going to try to find it but saying that like Unfortunately, we, we have to become a blue state in order for anything to happen with cannabis in Florida. 
And I mean, I, I just like there, there's no like we could sit here and talk for hours and hours. But unfortunately, our politicians need to change before we fucking, you know, get anywhere with this business, I think. When I first got to Florida back in the, in the late 80s, early 90s, where I was working for the Centers for Disease Control. And I was on contract to work with HRS, which was the name of the DOH at the time. Uh, it, that was the Charles administration. And it looked totally different from the way things look today because that was a, a, a more equitable legislature. Now we have 66% GOP and a definite uh, soldier mentality in regards to leadership. In fact, if they, when leadership says something, everybody falls in line, boom, 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 regardless of what the constituents are asking for. So yeah. that's, that's why every, last year I went straight to Sprouls to talk to him. Every single member of the Florida legislature in the past decade that has bucked the leadership has been stripped of committee and has, has lost all power that they managed to gain in their time in the, in the legislature. So you're right, Gary. Our current system is, is, is not a representative democracy. It's literally an oligarchy of, of folks who move up the, the curses honorum uh, of the uh, Florida GOP uh, to make it into the leadership. And then, you know, they even have who's going to be the next Speaker of the House listed out, you know, like six years from now. So, you know, the only way to throw a wrench in all that is, like Carlos said, uh, to change the leadership itself. And case in point, Virginia. Virginia went triple blue uh, back in 2019. Their House, their State Senate, and their Republican, uh, uh, I mean, and, and their governor uh, all, all went to the Democrats. And now the state of Virginia has adult use. You can't uh, be pulled over uh, and, and the smell of marijuana used as a, as a precursor or a probable cause to search your car. Um, and, you know, they're going to be getting retail sales here soon. So uh, all in all, you know, elections matter. And, and whether or not you have this uh, political mainstream brainwashing that our mainstream media gives us, uh, the, the fact of the matter is, as Gary pointed out, um, the campaign donors, you know, are the ones that are really pulling the yeah. strings. And when you have big pharma, you have big alcohol, you have now big cannabis in Florida uh, writing checks to keep the status quo the way it is you're not going to see that leadership in the GOP change. Now, we here at Suncoast Normal, we don't have a lot of money. So calling us lobbyists would be laughable because we don't have any money to give anybody. But we do have good ideas. And the good ideas can be spread by people and try to move uh, these legislators to move forward and make them realize that if this gains them votes, that will, make, that, that will be good because we can you know, tell them if we're part of the 71.3% that passed the bill, anybody who gets that kind of, of support gets in, plain and simple. And so we are trying to move these, this legislation, and we need your help to go ahead and do that. We have a bill that, that very simply says that when you go into a medical institution like a hospital or a ALF, an assisted living facility, your medicine is not illicit. And so therefore, they can't take it away from you. And if you need to get a transplant from an organ transplant that can't take you off the list. That medical protection bill is life-saving to a number of people, and we need to get it passed. And also, we have the employee protection bill, which basically states that if you have a medical card, they can't fire you strictly for having a medical card. Even though we are in a right-to-work state, if you have a medical card, it's because you have a debilitating condition. And if you have a debilitating condition that you file under the, uh, affordable, the uh, Americans with Disabilities Act, and you need to get uh, <clears throat> accommodations in your workplace so you can take your medicine and you can work properly. And that's what, our, what, that's what the uh, Employee Protection Bill is all about. And we're pushing that too. 
And we're also trying to expand the number of qualifying conditions because right now they have 10 qualifying conditions at the, uh, the last two categories of which are very, very vague. And in order for doctors to interpret them, they have to do some mental gymnastics, which, which actually leaves them open for, to attack from the Board of Medicine, the Board of Osteopathic Medicine. And this bill would prevent that. And it would add things like autism and general anxiety disorder and all the other things that are currently missing in the current list of, uh, of conditions. We need to get that expanded. And we got a reciprocity bill so that it's like, like Nevada, if somebody else comes over here with a medical card, they can actually purchase here and they can actually enjoy their vacation here without leaving on probation, yeah. which is important. And of course, we have our home grow bill. Now, I know that the uh, the regulate Florida is pushing for home grow, and I wish them all the luck in the world in, in trying to get uh, at least 80,000 signatures by February or to get it to the Supreme Court. And then three over three years, quarters of a million petitions done by the at the other deadline, but just in case they don't, this will, will this bill can offer a chance at uh, is it at, at, at home grow, and we actually have a Democrat in the in the agriculture committee this year, as in Senator Roussan. So, <laughs> Daryl, I'm coming to say hi, and I'm bringing jambalaya. Well, you know, Gary, I want to go back a second. We talked about doctors, doctor recommendations, and I don't know if folks know this, but uh, recently the state did an undercover sting and actually uh, arrested um, Dr. Joseph Dorn, who has practiced in Florida for nearly three decades, and he is now at risk of losing his medical license after the Department of Health uh, filed a complaint against him saying that he violated the state's medical cannabis laws when he ordered uh, for two undercover uh, investigators. According to the complaint, um, one of the uh, undercover uh, uh, investigators showed him a handwritten medical record showing he had been diagnosed with PTSD uh, when he was in the military. And, um, you know, the records in the administrative complaint show that Dr. Dorn uh, said that the guy had anxiety after serving in Afghanistan and that, um, you know, the guy showed them uh, a driver's license with a fake name. And it just seems like there's not this issue in Florida. This We go back again to the culture of, of the, the GOP and how in, in Florida and in other parts of the country, they're always looking for problems that don't exist. It's not like, you know, we have a pill mill problem here where people are just getting medical marijuana recommendations. And, and you know, it's, it's not like it was where, you know, back in the days in, in Colorado prior to adult use where folk or in California where you had 14 year olds going to the doc saying, oh, doc, I, I got tennis elbow. I need I need a medical marijuana recommendation. You know, th this was they were using even the military service, you know, as a, as a thing, which I take very seriously. Veterans serving with PTSD coming from Afghanistan and Iraq do need access to medical cannabis. This is a doctor doing his part. His own son served in Afghanistan, so he can relate. And the fact that the state came in there and basically tried to entrap this guy and create a problem that doesn't exist to create a, a criminal that doesn't exist is wrong. And Ron DeSantis asks, uh, 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 you know, in his agencies, this is on them and, and they need to do better, especially this new Surgeon General that he's uh, uh, appointed, who I have zero faith in to, to actually get anything done. Why? Because he happens to be part of a group that was pushing for uh, uh, vaccines made from alien DNA. I mean, geez, I mean that, 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 that is so that is so picky, you know. Like, okay, uh, you, you, you were gone, but uh, yeah. yeah. 
Dr. Rifkis, who was actually more pro-cannabis, and even in a, at a pediatric sense, because he was, he was doing the research, is out because he actually uh, was pushing against DeSantis's policies, and they brought in a, a new Surgeon General. This guy is one of America's frontline doctors who uh, stood in front of the Supreme Court and were, were, pra- were praising uh, hydrocodone uh, for, uh, for, for COVID and also saying that this one lady who Trump said was awesome who talks about the fact that the women get endometriosis uh, from having astral sex with demons and the fact that vaccines are made from alien DNA. I and the, he, he's in that group. That. He's in that group. Huh? He, he is in that group. And he, and what a surprise. Jesus Christ. He, he's not in favor of vaccines. And he believes that masking should be totally up to anybody else. And this last week, he officially dropped the the quarantine request for any child who goes to school who's been in uh, in contact with it, with COVID. So therefore, if a child is in a household where mom or dad has COVID, they can go to school without a mask. No problem, because you don't want to make the kids not ha- have to wear a mask at school when they should be home quarantining to make certain that they don't give it to all their classmates. Because we are having deaths right now from, the, from COVID in, in young folks, or at least uh, <laughs> permanent damage to lungs and things of that sort that's, that's occurring from disease itself that could be resolved because they do have access to vaccine for these folks and they do have access to masks for these folks. But this guy, he's, he's not a big favor of that. And wouldn't you know that he's probably hand-picked, hand-picked for DeSantis just for that fact? Of course, of course. And of course, I guess it would not hurt for DeSantis that this gentleman is African-American and that he's trying to appeal to, to certain segments. But uh, you didn't hear that from me. <laughs> so, so I don't know what we're up against in regards to this new Surgeon General who is in charge uh, of the DOH, which makes him in charge of the OMMU, guys. So th- this is important to, uh, to this particular aspect as well. One more thing I wanted to bring out in regards to the, that meeting last week in, in the Ag Committee, uh, Senator Perry Thurston also had, had asked them very specifically, asked the head of OMMU, what was the reason that you did not give out the license four years ago? And they said, well, it was because of flora growing, because we have, we have litigation. He said, that doesn't make any sense because the fact is flora grown was going to get rid of the vertical mandate. It didn't say you couldn't have a vertical license. Mm-hmm. So they could have given out a vertical license, grandfathered in four years ago, three years ago, two years ago, but they haven't given out this one and they haven't given out any of the other ones. So uh, Senator Thurston nailed it on the head right there. And they said, well, don't worry, sir. We are working swiftly. And they said, we're really tired of you saying swiftly when it's taken four years to get to this point. Oh, with all due respect, the current director has not been there for four years. We, we had other directors before that. We had Courtney Coppola and before that we had uh, Christian Bax, who now works for Cookies, as you believe, correct? Christian Bax works for Cookies. Yes. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You need a government relations consultant. You know, you might as well pick one who created a corrupt system, right? He knows right. how to navigate it better than anybody. <laughs> cookies is interesting they are coming to florida they are uh, starting to work on a build out i believe that their first store is going to be in deltona and they're working on one over in uh, in orlando and they're they're trying to push put them in areas that are very close to highly tourist areas like deltona is right next to daytona mm-hmm. so it, it's not too far away from there and, and of course orlando especially when you're on international drive and things of that sort those are for tourists that's not that's not locals and and, and cookies they have a great branding strategy that you really enjoy yourself when you go in there and you enjoy the products. You said the products were fair to Midland, but we weren't. Who the knows the what, products what, aren't bad. 
um, their their branding really is the main part of the company. Like the way their products are packaged and presented uh, really takes more more is more important to the company than the actual quality of the product. And they spend a lot of time on marketing. They yeah. picked blue and white as their colors because they said blue is calming. Uh-huh. And they picked cookies because they figured, all right, there's all different kinds of cookies. It looks like there's all different kinds of strains, and so therefore it kind of meshes in there. That didn't stop the county uh, of San Diego from suing them this last week for appealing to children. Mm. By saying that, by, by calling the company cookies and by having this blue and white packaging and all this, it, it actually is, is attracting to youth. And it didn't help the fact that they're actually sponsoring a, a BMX uh, tour, which is basically a, a, a young kids, uh, 18. 19 years old, the BMX bikes, who would not be able to actually eligible to purchase a product, but they're sponsoring it. The question mm-hmm. is whether that would be good for them or bad for them. I, I wish them all the best, all the luck in the world, especially here in Florida, because they're starting four years behind. But they could come from behind and, and they take over this market. Let's wait and see. Well, you know, Gary, it's interesting that you say that because um, this week, uh, data published in the uh, uh, Journal of American, uh, in JAMA, um, you know, Columbia University's Department of Epidemiology assessed trends in, uh, in, in marijuana use of a cohort of over 838,000 people in states with adult use cannabis laws. And they specifically examined individuals aged 12 to 20, and the enactment of adult use marijuana laws is not associated with an increased odds of youth use. And this goes across all racial and, and ethnic borders. Um, so, you know, just the fact that you have legal weed in your state does not mean that kids are using it more. And, it, and it, it, when, it, when it comes down to it, it's not the fact that they're using it for more because they aren't. But the regulators in their divine uh, need to uh, intervene are constantly trying to do everything they can to make certain that this product does not get in the hands of kids. That's why I was going for the word responsible adult use, meaning that it's a responsible use so that we don't use it in, in places where it would create a dangerous situation if that was even possible. But also it's, a, it's for adult use for age 21 and over, as, as opposed to the word recreational, because kids use recreational drugs too in high school. None of us actually used recreational drugs in high school. Is that correct, Chris? I didn't. I, I actually was. Now you were a, ROTC, weren't you? Uh, no, I was uh, actually a football and, and, and deep into my academics. I mean, uh, I was into girls. So I, I guess that was my drug was chasing, chasing girls. But uh, I, yeah, I, I didn't uh, actually take my first puff of cannabis until I was 21. So. Yeah, love is the drug I'm thinking of. <laughs> and, and I wasn't into alcohol either. Uh, I recall going with my parents to Mexico at 16, and I just got so smashed, and that hangover was so horrible. I was like, nope, never gonna, never gonna drink alcohol like that. So I, I was never a binge drinker in college. You know, I did find cannabis in college, which was, you know, an interesting uh, development. You know, but yeah, I, uh, you know, I went to the U.S. Air Force Academy right out of high school, so. Uh, uh, you know, getting into cannabis or anything else just wasn't in the cards for me at that time. And of course, alcohol was that thing that we actually, as a government, tried to prohibit by prohibiting the sales, not the use, back in, in the prohibition days of the 1920s or so. And of course, it worked out so well that they had to create another uh, 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 constitutional amendment to go ahead and get rid of the first one mm. and, and make it legal. And that was when Harry Anslinger said, well, all my guys are going to be out of work if we don't find something else to make illegal. So they, they switched to cannabis, and so they made the switch. Did you? 
<laughs> well, you know, this whole thing about the kids, right? Um, it really does go back to Ann Slinger and the Reefer Madness in that, oh, well, you don't want your kids getting high on Reefer because they'll murder you because of the Victor Lakata murders there in Ybor City back in the yep. day, right? Right across the street, I see the building and it says Lakata over the top of it, right across the street from Chillum. And that was the family. They were a, uh, a, a socialite family here in, in Ybor City back in the 1920s. And they happened to have kids who had what they called uh, dementia precox, what we call bipolar nowadays. And these kids needed medicine that didn't have available at that point in time. And the cannabis worked, but it wasn't, it wasn't uh, anything legal they could, they could deal with at that I, point in time for kids. I heard that smoking weed causes dementia and doing dabs makes you gay. So let's let's actually address that right now. Uh, a, a longitudinal, uh, a, a longitudinal okay. data study. There's a sale on dabs at Chillum yeah. this weekend. That's why, that's why we do $5 dabs here at Chillum. That's right. Oh, goodness. For those, yeah. for those, for those just, circuit parties, right? We're, we're dispensing gayness in Ybor City. No, I mean, <laughs> look. We're, we're, One weather... at a time. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless of where you fall on the sexual spectrum, I can tell you that it's not the dabs, okay? Never once, never once has Carlos offered Never once has Carlos offered me a dab, and I thought, you know what? I really want to suck his dick. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. Everybody that's watching this show, totally. Oh, geez, what's happening? Oh, God. People are laughing. People are laughing. So, no, I, I, I wanted to bring up this, uh, this uh, longitudinal. Yeah, yeah, we're still on. This longitudinal yeah, yeah, data study. Yeah, so I have no idea if I'm actually. So, so in the Journal of Abnormal Psychology. Uh, you know, the, the University of Minnesota Institute of Child Development was assessing the relationship between adolescent cannabis use and the adult onset of psychosis. And they did it in a longitudinal co-twin controlled analysis. So for those of you like Gary who have masters in public health, it basically means they did their due diligence to do uh, a scientific study that's not gonna give them uh, results that they necessarily want to see, but results of what it just is. And the fact is, is that adolescent cannabis exposure is not an independent cause of psychosis in adulthood. So this whole thing of if your kids start smoking weed when they're teenagers, they'll grow up to be crazy adults, just is not true. And that goes back to Gary's point earlier, what we talked about um, with a lot of undiagnosed mental illness, bipolar disorder, not necessarily being fully understood. Even in the modern era, do we really understand it or we just throw drugs at it? Because I worked in a, in a in mental health facility uh, for, for three years. And I can tell you that uh, many of the psychiatrists that I met oftentimes would sit there, listen to a patient for like five minutes, and then hand me a list of drugs to make sure the nurse gave them. You know, I, I didn't feel as though our modern um, psychiatric, you know, treatments are, are really helping people with certain conditions, but we just drug people up enough to make them not a danger. And and that, to me, that's more dangerous than anything. It's really ignoring the problem and not going to the root of it. And and as uh, as uh, County Commissioner Merman had had said many many times when when she was trying to put together a much better mental health uh, program here for Hillsborough County. We just don't have the facilities and we don't have the process that works possible. We actually have Baker acting here in Florida, which allows you to incarcerate essentially someone for 72 hours if you feel they might be causing harm to themselves or others. 
And in fact, I have seen people who tried to commit suicide on Xanax, Alprazolam. They got Baker acted for it, incarcerated for it for 72 hours. And when they left that facility, they had a brand new prescription for Xanax in their hand. (laughs) Wow. Situation solved. (laughs) Wow. There you go. And of course, you look at at the homeless here in Florida, and we we have in Hillsborough County and Pasco County some of the highest rates of homelessness here in the state of Florida. A lot of those people should be getting regular mental health care, but they're not. And that's one of the reasons they're out on the street. Yeah. And that, that, that comes back to laws that would change back in, in the Nixon era and the Reagan era as well. Carlos, when you went through the airport, did they have one of those cannabis amnesty boxes where you could like drop your, your weed in before you if get on the they, plane? If they did, I didn't see it because I had to throw my weed in the garbage. <laughs> no, see, I always give my weed in Colorado to homeless people before I get on the plane. And it just lights up their eyes. They're so happy. It's You're so like nice so. Of you. No, it just it to me it seems like if anybody could use it, it's the guy who's living on the street right now. No, you know? you're, you're absolutely well. There right. actually is a gentleman I met who had a, a program he wanted to set up with the hospital with the hotels in Colorado and Denver, where before you leave, you can lock up your remaining stuff in a safe, and they come by and they they open up the safe and they pass that out to the to the homeless or to people who who, who nice. desperately need it. No, I, I mean we, that's a good way to make sure that your week goes to good use. Unfortunately, I didn't think, and I like rushed to the the <laughs> rushed to the airport, and like in the bathroom, I'm like, oh shit, I, I, what do I do with this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was, I did that. You go to Colorado, you buy too much for the trip. You, you, oh, I need enough for this trip. Then it's like, oh, I got a plane in two hours, and I got three quarters of an ounce still. What the? How am I gonna smoke all this? <laughs> and, and I'm tired of people that like, I mean, even yeah, and find a how the smoking section what, in the airport that allow you to go ahead and buy, but it ain't happening. We should we should have like an entire show based off of like like negative ideas on cannabis and like you know whether or not like cannabis gives you like dementia or whether cannabis hypermethis syndrome is a real thing or not because like people go both ways on it. I I think there's a lot of shit out there even with like marijuana activists right that just falls away from the path and like. Cannabis is actually very simple. Cannabis regulates your body. It causes COVID. <laughs> Only if you smoke it with anti-maskers and anti-maskers, Gary. This is why Carlos sells those nice little mouthpieces so you don't have to share blunts with those people. That's after your balls expand. No, but if cannabis regulates your body. They're only in Aruba. And if, if there's endocannabinoids in mother's breast milk, right, helping in order to help their children develop. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, somebody comes out saying, well, if you smoke weed when you're a teenager, your brain might not develop correctly. How does that make any sense? How does that, like, from the little bit of science I know about cannabis, how does that, like, why should I even listen to this? Well, let, 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 let's narrow it down to the very simple facts, and then we can talk like like Greg Berman for a minute, but I'm going to dumb it down so that even I can understand it. Yeah. Basically, what we have is a neuroprotectant. With CBD and with THC, you actually can generate neurons and you can actually establish a greater health towards the, towards the, uh, the protein coat of the, of the nerve endings and things of that sort. And they've actually found people have regained nervous uh, uh, activity 
uh, due to cannabis. So how is yeah. it possible that it can be destroying the brain at the same time as protecting it? Gary, when my dad was suffering from dementia, he had lost the ability to talk. He hadn't talked in almost two years uh, when I gave him his first dose of RSO. And to hear his voice again, to even if it wasn't coherent sentences, just to hear him talk showed that there is something stimulating the brain activity in the damaged human brain. And, and so cannabis was always a hope for my mom and, and myself. And, and it cost me my own freedom and it cost me a lot of money uh, to fight this battle. But I, I am glad that I'm in this fight with you guys because that that should other families shouldn't have to go through that. Other yes. families shouldn't um, have to worry whether or not, oh, I don't know if this is the right thing for my family. If you got a family member suffering from Alzheimer's or dementia, get them on RSO as soon as possible. Yeah. Yet some prohibitionist out there writes an article that looks like it's cited properly, but really isn't, right? Saying that if a 16-year-old smokes a joint, then their brain isn't going to develop properly, right? It makes it – and then you get, like, actual cannabis activists that don't understand how to fucking read fucking peer-reviewed articles. Well, that's right? – there's, there's peer-reviewed articles, and there are actually retracted articles that are put back out there by people who want to spread misinformation. Yeah. If somebody has an article that they put on, on open access sites for medical journal articles because these things were rejected by other publications and the author pays to have that put on the, the open access, people will have access to these studies, which in many cases don't meet the scrutiny of, of a, uh, a solid journal like JAMA and things of that sort. And yet so, put out there as actual medication, uh, actual information. So doing your own research sometimes does not help. So, Gary, just so we're clear, there are medical journals out there who will pay for to publish sponsored content uh, that actually is scientifically false or, 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 you know, misrepresented. Much in the same way you'll see High Times uh, write an article about sponsored content about how great a certain activist is or how great a certain brand is, right? I always look for that little tiny thing sponsored by. That tends to skew things a bit. I mean, if... Pfizer did a study on the safety of their own vaccine, and they paid a ton of money uh, to, the, to the researchers. That might just skew the results because obviously these guys want to make want to get their money, and if they put out a negative result, they might not get their money out of it. Hmm. Kind of, that kind of thing. So you have to be careful who's sponsoring the actual study itself. We should Car get like <laughs> fucking like three doctors or something. My bad, kid. No. <laughs> we should get like three doctors or something. Like we should have like Barry Gordon, Rosado, and Gerdeman come on here, and like we just lay out all the fucking like myths and shit and and have them tear it apart. Yeah, I, I dig it. I dig. It. You know, yeah. Carlos, uh, you were, you remember that High Times article uh, of the former CEO of, of medical marijuana Tampa and how they were just praising him in it, and then to kind yeah. of find out it was sponsored content. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the same thing that I'm talking about right now. Like it's it's just ludicrous that 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 exists in the modern world. Like you can pay to be on the news. It, it, it's a big problem on local news stations. You know, when you're watching the the program after the morning news, the one that comes on at 10 a.m. and they got they got all these people on there, and you think, oh, they're they're showcasing some local product. No, those people paid for that. That's paid paid placement and such. And we, mm -hmm. we see okay. that. In medical journals, now that's just ludicrous. <laughs> I, I, I just got a brilliant idea. <laughs> Let's have a show where we have Greg here and, and Dr. Barry and maybe Rick Rosado or maybe Michelle Weiner. And uh -huh. we'll, we'll ask him a certain thing to see if it's true or it's false. If it's true, we take a hit. If it's false, we leave it alone. And we'll call it hit or myth. 
<laughs> hit or miss. I like it, Gary. I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it. See, this is when you when your brain is activated on caffeine alone. I, I, you can imagine what I can do with other things. We have to like skew the results. Like we have to like like uh, form the questions where like it's they always have to say that it's false. <laughs> or something, <laughs> or that it's all no, true. Gary, we, we should up we should up the, the the ante, okay? If if it's a myth and you or if it's wrong, you got to take a shot of straight Cuban espresso. You know, there you go. <laughs> so that way it can balance you out. So either you can take a dab if it's true, take a shot of espresso is false. <laughs> I'll I'll, I'll, I'll shit, take my cortados. Ice cream man and Ebor. <laughs> oh my god! Really? Is, is it really ice cream though? Because I've seen that Cheech and Chong movie. <laughs> Well, there's only one way to find it. Remember Nice Dreams? You remember that one? I love that movie. Oh, that's my favorite, man. Like, uh, I I was a big fan of Pee Wee Herman growing up as an early 80s baby. Yeah, exactly. I loved it. I love Pee Wee Herman. And so when I got introduced when I was a little bit older to the Cheech and Chong movies, to see Pee Wee Herman in there, just like, wow, it was such an amazing connection. And then to find out... Yeah, but then to find out he also got arrested for jerking off at the Todd Theater, it's just it's like, oh, well, that's what happened to Pee Wee Herman. Okay. See, that was the problem. It was a G-rated movie. <laughs> so, so, that, so that, 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 that kind of really blew his whole kids show thing to, to bits. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But we, we, and along with the things we're talking about, we have to do, we also have to do a commercial for Suncoast Normal and what it means to Get in and be part of the magic. Do you want to put up the uh, thing? Oh, yeah, we're actually, we're actually in sync today. Right your, <laughs> your membership fee allows you to get not only this fantastic pin, which really does give you a discount at most Walmarts, not really, uh, but, also, but it does give you a discount at Chillum. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true, and and allows you to help us help the state with all the different bills we were talking about, because we are going to try to push those uh, on a bipartisan basis in the legislature this year and see what, if we can't get some changes done, because I know that uh, we're getting close to that midterms. We're getting close to, uh, to the, the political issues. And sometimes these legislatures can be moved by how many votes they're going to get. So they don't lose their job next election. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now we're not saying we're going to vote against them. We're just not saying we're going to vote for them. That's kind of my thing. It's you, definitely going to be negative. Well, look, here's the thing. We don't have a paid staff. Um, you know, everything that oh, we boy, get, I know that <laughs> everything we get in membership dues goes back into our organization. So we can do these lobbying efforts so we can, you know, make sure that we, we have a website that keeps you informed so we can continue to produce this show uh, so we can do great events, you know, for our members like the best blunt in the Bay rolling competition. You know, or, you know, our, our, our Suncoast Normals Got Talent Showcase. And we've uh, done our best uh, through this pandemic to, to, you know, have virtual member meetings, to do uh, safe and socially distanced events. And we're going to continue to uh, provide that value to you all. If you've recently got a membership, you can pick it up there at Chillum. Uh, you know, we're not mailing out memberships at this time. You can walk in and pick them up and, uh, you know, you get your membership pin, get your membership card. And of course, you know, your discount there always helps. Uh, Carlos has an amazing array of products uh, that I know I, I like to enjoy. So always happy to, to come through. Carlos, one of the things I wanted to, to touch on before we end the day, I saw Dr. Gerderman in another interview uh, talk about how Delta 8 is hemp sprayed with um, synthetic cannabinoids. 
Is that just the case in certain situations or is that the case in every situation? Well, uh, it's the case in every situation. Um, So Delta-8 is is a naturally occurring cannabinoid in in both cannabis and hemp, but it comes in such small amounts. It has to be a little bit. It has to be extracted. It actually has to be made from CBD. Mm. So it's a pattern and process by Dr. Raphael Meshulam, like way, way back in the day where he could, you can convert CBD into THC. And we've talked about this a bit in the past where it's actually uh, done by like introducing an acid to the cannabinoid, which uh, then, you know, changes the cannabinoid to to THC, but leaves leaves all these like basically residuals and 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 and, and that that um, if it's not correctly distilled from that product, right, then you could have a big issue. Now I was sent some uh, intelligence saying that there are certain folks who are taking hemp products now and chemically altering them to bring out actual Delta Nine THC coming from the hemp. Now we know we, we can acidify THCA no, that, and, and activate so, it. But the, but the question is, is this true or not? Because if it is, it opens up a whole can of worms. So, so I actually, um, I mean, I, I haven't heard of people taking like actually like actual products from my store and then using that to like form Delta nine. Um, I haven't heard of that at all. And if that's going on, then that, that could be an no, it's, issue. It's, it's, going on, it's going on a commercial but, basis. It's not going on an individual person buying products. They're getting it straight from the farm. So so I do have Delta 9 gummies that are coming out soon, and it's actually a lot easier than you would think, <laughs> Gary. They use uh, – so Delta, these Delta 9 gummies, uh, it's still 0.3% THC, uh-huh. right? However, um, they just way make the gummy way more. They use both pectin and gelatin in way the gummy recipe. So, so like that point, gummy or what? Point three percent, right? Is still ten milligrams of CBD of uh, THC. Mm, yeah. Okay, they're just, just a gummy the size of your head. Just like this big. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have. We have not got them in yet, so we're going to check it out. Never okay, anything bigger. We'll have to do the product review on our future show. I, well, we, we will check it out and we will see what's going on there. But that's how I understand it, at least. Now, if you want to get no, a license you, here in Florida, you, I'd say good luck to you. You should understand, though, that like if you're if you're looking like people have come in and like asked me if I'm concerned about the Delta 8 thing. And the truth is, is like I've I've always been concerned about it. As a matter of fact, like the this company and, and there's the I'm not I, I really don't forget about this company. Right. Um, in order to really get a good product out there, you really need to like look for a company that's been you been in this business for a long time because this isn't really a new problem, right? This problem seems to extend from most things in this industry, right? Uh, it comes from concentrates. It comes from, uh, you know, if we you don't do the extraction pro- properly with BHO or PHO, mm-hmm. right? You're going to have these residual solvents in there that could be harmful. Right. It comes from a lot of different aspects in this business. And it came from CBD products where uh, if you weren't extracting the CBD properly or if you weren't going through a reputable company. Right. There could be harmful things in there. Right. There's always a concern when you're using hemp and there's always a concern when you're using cannabis in order to use the correct product, because there's people out there that are trying to make money and, and not necessarily trying to help people with this. So. Um, just, yeah, just be careful what you get. Make sure you get a reputable brand. 
And by the way, just in case you haven't noticed that uh, Dr. Gordon is uh, over there uh, putting up all sorts of great comments. He's, he's here listening. So uh, take a read of those as well because uh, <laughs> 5.5 grams per gummy. <laughs> <laughs> not bad. Not bad. Yeah. So, well, Carlos, you, you uh, have like laboratory tests. You have all the stuff there, you know, for your products, right? Uh, yeah. And I mean, I, I made sure that when I brought on Delta 8 that I actually took a while to bring it on. Like there were a lot of companies that were just taking shit from the cash and carry place and putting it on their shelves. They didn't know anything about the actual company or whatnot. I was in a fortunate position where like I have done business with a lot of reputable hemp companies in the past and I have a long track track record of doing business with these companies. So I actually waited until these companies came out with their own Delta A products. Nice. That way I didn't really have to do much work in the vetting process. Cash and carry. That's like yeah. a drugstore in that the next to the uh next to the gas pumps, right? It's basically like <laughs> it's basically like a drugstore for drugstores. <laughs> well, you know, because up here I, I see um, you know, smoke shops and such, and uh they sell uh cookies brand Delta 8 products and they sell a lot of different uh things across the shelves. And I always like, no, I I just don't trust it. I'm gonna go to you, I'm gonna go to Chillum. I know I know that I can trust your products, I can trust you uh, as a business owner to do the right thing. And so often people, you know, you see Delta 8 or you see stuff at a gas station. And, and I love, uh, Mariah loves to say that, don't buy your CBD from a gas station, you yeah. know? Yeah, so. well, I mean, that's that's one of the things that has kept my, you know, like a lot of people don't realize how easy it actually is to be in this business. You just have to hold yourself to a certain standard because there's a lot of shitty players out there. I mean, the places that sell reheated uh, pizza in the, in the case there are not, they, they don't sell high quality products. <laughs> But Gary, like it makes sense though. Like it's a lot of people are saying that, like, oh, I don't want to get into the CBD business because every you can buy CBD at the gas station and it's a lot of competition. It's like, dude, you have to compete with the gas station. That's the fucking easiest thing in the world. Just be a little bit educated on the product, right? And don't be so fucking shady. Clean up your place a little bit, and you've got a great, you've got a great company. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Carlos, bar is low in the hemp industry, guys. You, your integrity brings a lot of value uh, to Suncoast Normal, and so we appreciate you. We appreciate oh. Chillum. Uh, for those who don't know, Chillum CBD uh, Dispensary and Glass Gallery in Ybor City. Check them out right there on Seventh Avenue. That's our headquarters. Carlos, thanks for giving us the space I, to set I up didn't the rotation. Know Kano yes. do I, a I sit here bathed in us. transparency <laughs> and honesty. I swear to God, it's, it's so fulfilling. <laughs> Shut my, up, Gary. My, 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 my pineal gland is just going off, you know? Well, it's just going keep, off. Keep your pineal gland in your pants. <laughs> well, team, I, th I think that's. Too? <laughs> <laughs> team, well, well, we will definitely be back in the rotation next week. Again, uh, join us, suncoastnormal.org, uh, for more information. Uh, get involved. Talk to your senators, send a message to your members of Congress, um, ask them to support the MORE Act. And of course, if you have questions, you have concerns, jump into rotation each and every Sunday and participate. We love to hear comments from our, our viewers. And if I had to make any kind of recommendation in regards to what you should watch this next week, go ahead and check out The Problem with John Stewart on Apple Plus. He did a whole show on vets who are suffering from diseases that occur with being working in the fire pits. In, uh, mm -hmm. in Afghanistan, where you know, some of them are dealing with lung issues and things of that sort that actually can 
get helped by cannabis if they had access to it at the VA. You know, Gary, I actually watched that and I stand by that. That was a good show. It was very good. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. This has been The Rotation, and you have been a part of it. You can be a bigger part of it by joining Suncoast Normal. Suncoast Normal is an organization that can help you make the change that we all need. Go to the Suncoast Normal website and become a member. Because that is how you become part of the change. You can find the Rotation podcast on both SoundCloud and iTunes. But you can always join us in the Rotation at suncoastnormal.org. At that very website, you can join the cannabis movement by becoming a member of Suncoast Normal, gain access to cannabis events, cannabis info, Normal's legal network, and even a free membership to National. All by joining Suncoast Normal. That website, again, is suncoastnorml.org. You can also find us on social media, at Suncoast Normal. Uh, Find us on both Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you, Gary, and good night. Good night.